Today's program is Brave to Bold, and I am Deborah Ann Sweezy. This program is to empower and enlighten you along your journey. Today, my guest is Baruch Kavznika. Is that close? That's very close. Oh, yay. Baruch or Brian Kavaznika. Kavaznika. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I'm so delighted to have you here today with me, Baruch. What a delight. And would you prefer Baruch or Brian? Both, in okay. fact. Uh, Brian is just great for the U.S., okay. and in Israel, I'm typically more Baruch. Baruch. I love that. I love the way your people speak in Hebrew. It is so, mm. it's such a beautiful sound to me. Mm. So I'm delighted to have you, and I Thank know you. you're here in America visiting with your seven children. Yes, thanks be to God. Oh, yes, thanks be to God. I mean, mm. God said to fill you up, fill the quiver, right? And yeah. you took him seriously. We think we're finished, but thanks be to God. Yes. <laughs> yes. What are the ages of your children? Our children range from 14 to 2, okay. and we have five boys and two girls. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Little yeah. Esters, are they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're very thankful. Youngest is a girl, Shirel, a song of the Lord. Oldest girl is Leah, God is for me, and uh, ranges from Boaz, DJ, Yochanan, and on. So, oh, my goodness. And yeah. what do all of them mean? I know you said the girls. Yeah, so Boaz, he was born on uh, the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, and uh, the book of Ruth is read on that holiday, and so Boaz was appropriate, like Ruth and Boaz, yes. And uh, Dror is our second born. That means liberty, freedom. That is taken from Isaiah 61, where liberty to the captives is proclaimed. And we see that also in the New Testament, where Yeshua is proclaiming that in Luke chapter 4. Then Leah, our third born, she is not born on a Jewish holiday, but we gave her just a good name, God is for me, towards me. Yochanan is the Hebrew version of John, God is full of grace. Yeah. And uh, then we have Nehal El, the hardest of all of our children's names. Nehal El name means God directs. Taken from Psalm 23, God leads me to still waters. Then we have Yaakov, which is the Hebrew version of Jacob. Yes. And we call him Kobe for short. Kobe. Yeah. And then finally, Shirel, Song of the Lord. And she is just turned two. In fact, today is her birthday, her Hebrew birthday. She was born on Sukkot. And this is the the first day of Sukkot. So Shirel, the Song of the Lord. Song of the Lord. My grandson's name is Jacob. Okay. Yes, I love that. But they're also beautiful and well thought out. Isn't that true? Yes. We spent a lot of time in prayer and thinking about what would be the appropriate and best name for each of our children. And that's one of the many things that is so interesting about Jewish history. Mm -hmm. Um, They name their names and then they live up to that. Amen. Amen. Yes. And what does yours mean? Baruch means blessed. Blessed. And we know uh, that's true. Yep. And it's a very, very common beginning of any of the blessings that a Jewish person will say, even up to a hundred times a day. Just in the New Testament, it says you should pray without ceasing. In Jewish tradition, you should typically offer up a hundred blessings, thanksgivings to the Lord. And so that's what that word Baruch means. And Brian means valorous, coming more from a Anglo or mm-hmm. Celtic right. uh, origin. Wow. Yeah. Baruch Adonai. I don't, I, know, I don't know how right. to say it very well. Baruch Adonai Oh, I Amen. love that. Yeah. So wonderful. When I 
got your name, mm-hmm. that you were coming and you were going to honor us with your presence here. I realized Baruch was the beginning of the blessing, mm-hmm. but I did not realize it meant blessing. Yep. Okay, let's get back a little bit about when you were growing up. I know mm-hmm. you grew up here in the U.S. and Philippines, and yeah. can you tell us how that came to be? Yeah, grew up in Michigan in part, and then my f- parents felt a calling to serve Wycliffe Bible translators. And the best way they could do that is through teaching Wycliffe Bible translators children and working in the library. And so my mom and dad worked both in the Philippines and then later where I graduated in Papua New Guinea, they worked in serving Wycliffe Bible translators and the students of those Bible translators. So from a young age, it was imparted to me the the value and importance of getting the Word of God into all major languages. And so that was an exciting time as a child and to be able to see that sort of on the ground and impacted me me greatly. I can remember 15 years old, I was reading Jamie Buckingham, uh, Last Word, and he talked about how people love to have disciples and people just birthed into faith, but there was not many people who were growing them up. So he used an analogy of a chicken giving birth to eggs and watching them splat. Ah. That was very sad, of course. Whereas what we really need to be doing is growing those chicks up Mm -hmm. in the faith. And so that empowered me in many ways to do what I'm doing, (laughs) to to send me over to Israel later on in life. Yes. So your parents, did they ever take you to Israel or... Did you just end up there with the call later in your life? Yeah, so I went there first in 1994, and uh, that was through the blessing and affirmation of my parents. Okay. We know that on my father's side there's Jewish heritage, and so that was part of the impetus and affirmation of going. But it was really to study early Christianity and early Judaism to understand the roots of our faith. And so I I went to study at Hebrew University and didn't really realize how much I didn't know until I went there. And I realized how Hebraic the early church was, how Jewish uh, the disciples were. And that brought me on a road that I'm still on in exploring what it is to be a follower of the Lord. I tell you, Baruch, uh, that is the love of mine, is to find out the background and the Jewishness Mm -hmm. of Jesus and the disciples. And I know so little, but I'm learning. And I find it fascinating, and I almost feel like we have been depleted Mm -hmm. from knowing that. And so I'm trying to bring that back in all of my Bible studies as well. I resonate with that completely. I have met hundreds of people as I've been teaching in Israel that are on that same journey and are excited to re-engage that first century and really that that history that's been robbed, in a sense, Mm -hmm. from us and uh, putting that missing piece back together of of Israel and the Jewish people in understanding our faith. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great joy to be with you and to introduce many hundreds of people to the land of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, I'm still there in many ways, as in a sense, fulfilling that calling through my grandfather's heritage, but also now 
with my wife who was born and raised there and seven children. We feel it's the right thing for us to be in Jerusalem and God has made a way for that to be possible. So we're very thankful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm just, oh, when I think of Israel, mm-hmm. I just get cold chills. Yeah. And I've been there three times, but it's mm. not enough. Yeah. It just isn't. And I can't wait to return. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, there's no way you can do Jerusalem like you do Disney World or something, mm-hmm. right? It's always changing. Yeah. There's so much freshness. There's so much newness. There's so much change that takes place. Wow. Being involved in archaeology, we're unearthing things on a daily basis just about, right? And so there's new discoveries that are being made just recently related to seals, related to Jeremiah and his scribes or the people related to Jeremiah at the time, 6th century, just before the destruction of Jerusalem. Oh, my. Or the illegal excavations that are being done in Iraq have brought back to Israel for the first time ever this past year seals that are from 15 years after the exile. Oh, my. So Jews or ancient Israelites going into exile in 586... 15 years later, we have documentation that from the ground mm. of these Jewish people in Babylon. And they've just been brought back for a special exhibit. So it's no wonder that you want to go back again because there's I so do. much to see and experience. Yes, and, it is. Yeah. When we were there last, there was a parking lot and they were ready to destroy a piece of property. They found an excavation. It was actually... The with David, yep. all the ruins mm-hmm. of David, mm-hmm. have they? I'm sure they've come along with that now. Yes, yeah, that's the, called the Givati parking lot, just okay. outside of the city of David. Yes, and they're finding hundreds of, of artifacts and discoveries related to that. Some of the choice ones have been some 500 gold coins from the Byzantine period, going back and even before the Umayyad Muslim period, down to the Roman period, even to the first century, where they think they have found the palace of Queen Adiabene. So she was a a convert to Judaism, brought her wealth from the area of Iraq mm-hmm. and paid for Jewish institutions. And we know about her from the ancient Jewish writer Josephus. Okay. Who says that she took a Nazarite vow, for example. So she cut her hair, dedicated it to the Lord, and sacrificed the Lord. And so we know quite a bit about this woman from that parking lot as well, maybe part of her palace. Oh so, my goodness, yeah, that's yeah. even bigger than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to get back and see yeah. more of it. That is so exciting. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this all day. There is mm-hmm. no doubt we could share back and forth about Israel and the things that are happening and what God is doing. And it just amazes me that he only lets us see little bits at a time. Mm. He doesn't unveil everything all at one time. Just a little bit here and a little bit there. So truly exciting. But let's move on and talk about you and what your introduction that you have brought the Jerusalem Center for Bible Translator Mm -hmm. to Israel. Could you expound on that and tell us about it? Sure. Back in 1993, Dr. Halver and Miria Ronning were teaching, and he was interim president at a large institute in Jerusalem, And they were bringing Bible translators to Jerusalem and realizing that they were getting lost physically, spiritually. Mm. There were a lot of American students that were coming, and that kind of American 20-age culture was not 
appropriate or not fitting for the 40, 50-year-old Bible translator that was coming, mm-hmm. a veteran professional. And there was really needed, needed to be established a home, a home that could meet the needs of training Bible translators. And so this is how that was birthed. In 1995, the Jerusalem Center for Bible Translators was begun to meet this need. The need is the following. There's about 7,000 languages in the world. My goodness. And some 1,333 have the New Testament. But just over 500 have the Old Testament. So there's a huge gap between the Bibles that are available. Some people just have one-third of the Bible, which is the New Testament, and very rarely do they have the whole Bible because Bible translators have been focusing on the New Testament okay. at the expense, and sometimes, of the Old Testament, the Gosh, Hebrew Bible. I had no idea. And so there's millions of Christians, okay. hundreds of millions of Christians, okay. who have only one-third of a Bible. And so these Christians are saddened Sometimes they're even frustrated yes, oh, sure. that they have not been able to have access to Abraham, the father of our faith, right? And Moses. Can we imagine David and no Psalms, right? Yeah. And all those stories. How do we understand the sacrifice, sacrifices in Yeshua? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments without knowing from the Hebrew Bible or translating. So of those 500 some translations of the Old Testament, most of those translations have been done from English French and Spanish. They haven't even gone back to the original. So they're playing the telephone game with the Word of God. Sure. And that's and there's only 500 of the 7,000 languages in the world that have the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible in them. And so there's really a great need to train Bible translators in Hebrew and in the land of the Bible. And once the Bible translators come back to the land of the Bible, they can see with their own eyes yes. the Kidron Valley, the Elah Valley, the Manavalas, they don't. They can translate more accurately, yes, and they can go back to the source, the Hebrew text, mm. and just like Jerome did in the fourth century, he went to Bethlehem and learned Hebrew from the rabbis. And with that sort of reconnection to the original text and the original land, the Bible translators are empowered to translate more quickly, more accurately, which is exciting to fulfill what the New Testament talks about. That the word of God will be preached, the ends of the earth, and the end will come. So just an exciting establishment back in 1995 by Dr. Halver and Maria Ronning that I've been participating in now for about 12 years. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So you are there to bring people in. Mm -hmm. Is that your particular post there? I'm teaching about the land of the Bible. Okay. And I help in people learning basic Biblical Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So there's a Biblical Hebrew teacher and other courses. My main focus is teaching the land of the Bible. So okay. the land of Israel studies and the archaeology, the topography, the geography, the climate, all of that as it impacts Bible translation issues. Yes, I saw pictures where uh, off of your webpage mm-hmm. where you took them out on site mm-hmm. and there you were teaching them. And so I was pretty mm-hmm. excited about that, yeah. that this was part of it. I had no clue that this would be part of that had translators had to learn. Yeah. But how great that is that they on site. Well, that really helps stop mistakes creeping into the text. Mm-hmm. 
there's one translator that came from the Himalaya mountains, and he stood on the Mount of Olives, looking down at the Kidron Valley, and he was flabbergasted and confused. He said, the word that I used for the Kidron Valley was one of the main words in the Himalayan language, and that was about a 20-mile-wide valley. And so I imagine Jesus hiking through the Kidron Valley. Of course he's sweating near blood in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's not the idea at all. It's only a half a mile wide. Yes. Right? And so the Kidron Valley was reconceived, and a, and a correction was made to the text, and that's just one of thousands of examples yes. that can be given. Another classic and sad example, a little funny, is one of our brothers from, uh, I think it was Burkina Faso in, in Africa, came to the Galilee and they saw the grass on the Sea of Galilee area and they said, wait a minute, in our translation, when Yeshua, Jesus, fed the 5,000, they were sitting on the grass. Is this the grass? Because the way we translated it, it was the African grass and so they were hovering three feet above the ground on that high grass. A miracle! (laughs) That is a miracle. <laughs> of course, that's not the intention, right. right? They were just sitting on this little stub grass, much like what we see here in Arizona, yes? A st- little stubble grass, and the miracle was the feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't sitting three feet off the ground right. on top of grass. So there's many, many opportunities for corrections to existing translations Oh my goodness! that can be preached in very wrong ways oh i see i see this is so exciting well let's move on and talk a little bit about what you have started as well and that is the jerusalem biblical studies society yeah and would tell us about that and why you started it yeah the the jerusalem biblical studies society was founded back in 2006 to cast a broad vision a vision that incorporates a similar vision to the Jerusalem Center for Bible Translators. And that is found in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. That the word of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem. And we believe that this is being fulfilled through the work of the Bible translators and also through JBSS. JBSS uh, brings groups to Israel in a unique way. And it builds a society. This is what it really attempts It's building a society that values biblical study and education in the land of the Bible. Because for for really centuries, Christians have not been valuing the land of the Bible Mm. in a tangible way. And my experience of going there in 94 and 95 was so transformative, I wanted to share that with others. Yes, me too. And I was, you know, deferred for a couple years at Princeton Seminary and never went be ordained because the land of the Bible had so much to offer. I was learning so much at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and that was transformative. I really wanted everyone to send their pastors, their rabbis, their mission workers to the land so that they could have a more accurate understanding of Yeshua in his Hebraic heritage. Yes of the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible, and the Jewish people. And just as you get to know another person, sometimes you get to know yourself better, right? Yes, that's and, true. And that's what happened to me, and I think that's what's happening with the church and even the Jewish people. 
as the church and the Jewish people are getting to know each other, they're understanding each other better and they're understanding themselves better. That's what's happening through JBSS. We've had dozens of groups of, of just pastors or lay people or seminary or college people that have come and have engaged the land in such a way that transforms them and invigorates their spiritual life, their academic life. And it's building the society that values. And so I pray, I'm confident now, i already seen this 10 years later, of some of those people that came 10 years ago are sending their pastors, sending their congregational leaders, sending their mission workers yes. back so that they can go out from Zion to the ends of the earth, just as Isaiah 2-3 talks about. So. so you are a disciple, an apostle, all of it together, <laughs> all wrapped up into one. Oh, this yeah. is so exciting. <clears throat> well, in more of what you're doing as well is you are leading tours. Mm -hmm. And if God allows me, I will be on one of your tours, which I cannot wait. Amen. So, therefore, <laughs> I would love for you to tell our audience mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And with your knowledge that you have gained over these years, you have to be an awesome tour guide. Yeah. Because if you're going to take a <clears throat> tour, I'm telling you, I've been on enough tours to know, your tour guide holds the key. Yep. And that's so true, isn't it? I totally affirm that. I, and I say, you know, about 90% of the study tours are tours, touristry tours, are not up to snuff. They're not yes. what they should be. If you get on about 10% of those study tours or tours, pilgrimages, they can be rich. I do believe that God has allowed us to provide some of those 10% that really are spiritually transforming. And uh, so it's it's a great joy to be hosting some of the people from Tucson and different areas this coming November in yes. 2018, and we're looking forward to that yes. greatly. Tell me a little bit about why your tours are so different. I know you <clears throat> will be taking people to the regular tourist places, but then what else do you offer that why people would choose you? Our pilgrimage and study tour packages come with textbooks and we send them beforehand so that people can be reading uh, ahead so there's a bit of community that's built around that shared experiences of learning so people are already preparing themselves or if they're in the same community coming together and, and gather, gathering together so that's one aspect uh, another aspect is that we're bringing them to places that are not geared for shopping and tourism but transformative experience and so we're engaging sites that are not always on every tour, right? So we're going to places that, uh, like Magdala or Kursi or Gergesa, it's sometimes called Bethsaida, the teaching stairs of the elders. Many places that many, most groups wouldn't even go to. And then on site, we're engaging scripture in a way it can be absorbed and discussed in, in unique ways. So, the scripture that we read on site is digested in a very Jewish framework, oh a Hebraic goodness. framework. So we're learning new understandings of scripture. One of the most common examples I give is the good eye from Matthew chapter 6. Right? The good eye doesn't mean about clarity or willing one thing like Kierkegaard said or 
it's a simply an idiom in Hebrew that means generosity. So if you have a good eye in Hebrew, you're generous. Oh my. And all of a sudden, that passage fits. Hmm. Right? It's, you can't serve God and mammon. You have to have a good eye. Right? Where your heart is, your treasure will be also. It's true. All of a sudden, it's a three-point sermon. Yes. And it fits exactly. It's not anything about clarity and such. It's about generosity. So we get into nuggets like these, hmm. into the teaching on these different sites. Also, uh, on this particular tour, there's a unique focus on engaging the living stones, knowing that there are Messianic Jews, there are Palestinian Christians, there are ministries that are going on in the land of the Bible today, which are transforming lives. So we engage these ministries, we touch them in a sort of literal way, we go out and, and visit people who are helping prostitutes, we, we see where... This ministry called Connect to Bless is helping uh, Ethiopian immigrants and immigrants that are coming back to the land of Israel. And so there's many opportunities to see ministries in a very tangible way. So it's a combination of things that makes the JBSS study tour and pilgrimage so unique. Oh my goodness, that is unique. I tell you, I've never heard of some of the places that you were just mentioning, much less be able to visit them and fit them in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I think that would be so, oh, I don't know, enveloping and refreshing and and enlarging, I Mm. think, rather than just going to the usual places, which are awesome as well. Mm. So if you would like to give your information because we have four minutes left. Okay. And so I would love for you to give your information if anyone is interested in mm-hmm. getting in touch with you, mm-hmm. checking out your Facebook page. Okay. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Sure. So <clears throat> the Jerusalem Center for Bible Translators has a website. It's simply bibletranslators.org. So B-I-B-L-E-T-R-A-N-S-L-A-T-O-R-S, translators.org. And from there, you can connect with our Facebook page, and there's ways of giving, connecting, newsletters, support, and options. You can connect with Bible translators and underwrite an African to come or a person from Mongolia is coming this mm-hmm. next semester, four of them, in fact. So there's lots of opportunities to connect with the Jerusalem Center for Bible Translators and get on our friends list. For the Jerusalem Biblical Study Society, our website is www jbss.org and from there you can connect again with our Facebook page you can write me at bk Baruch or Brian Kvasnika bk at jbss.org and uh, we can be in contact about connecting you with the upcoming study tour or others that you might be involved or interested in yes okay that is just Great, great information, and I will be talking about this tour more and more as we get closer to it. But if someone doesn't want to wait until 2018, they can call you, right, Uh, and get on something sooner. Is that correct? Yes, they could. Uh, So you can reach me at 585-737-8617. I'll be in and out of the country, but... I'll be able to answer at some point uh, along the journey. I fly back for three weeks to teach a JBSS group in Israel and Jordan. That's also maybe unique that we we include all the lands of the Bible. So we have Israel, Jordan, Greece, Turkey, Rome. We've even done a Reformation, Germ- Germany, and England study tour. So. Oh, my. 
But uh, yeah, so 585-737-8617 is the phone number uh, for the next few months as I'm in the country, in the USA. And that will be able to be a way to contact me as well, even while I'm in Israel. There you go. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Baruch, you have certainly been a wonderful guest, and you've definitely fit my description of being brave to bold. You are definitely that, and I loved hearing these stories and putting them out to our audience so everyone can be encouraged to take their life. God has a plan for everyone, and it's not to sit back. It's not to be in the middle, is it? It's to step out. So that's what I like to say. I so appreciate I love to say step up, step out, and be bold. What do you say? Amen. When I was 15, I was reading this devotional, and I felt like God was calling me to be working with discipleship in Africans and thought I'd be married to a nurse. And that planted a seed that would later grow. I was singing next to this woman who was studying to be a nurse, Shoshi, and uh, the Lord would lead me in that direction, and that's how I'm able to be in Israel until today. Oh my. So let those seeds that are planted in your soul, in our souls, grow into fruition so we can serve and be bold in the midst of a, a challenging world yes. uh, that we can be empowered by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful to be a part of that. Mm. Thank you so much. I hope to see you in Israel. Amen. Next year in Jerusalem.